You're listening to sermons from South Point Fellowship, where we are equipping the family of God for the mission of God to see everyone around us transformed by the gospel of Jesus. For more information, please visit southpointfellowship.org. Well, happy Mother's Day to everyone, but especially the mothers. Uh, my name is Michael. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at South Point. Uh, oftentimes, I'm in Locust Grove, and so if you've been here coming here for the past couple of weeks, I probably haven't met you, but I was able to hopefully meet some of y'all this morning. So uh, it's good to see y'all. We're in the middle of this series called Gifted, and uh, I wanted to kind of do a kind of a break in the series and uh, try to address some of the real practical questions that we've received so far. And so uh, if you're new to South Point, if this is your very first Sunday here at all, you're like, okay, I need to, I need to catch up on this. You can catch up by going to the website. We have the sermons there by the podcast. You can watch the live stream on YouTube, Facebook, those kinds of things. So I would encourage you, if you haven't watched the sermons thus far or listened to them thus far in the series, go and do that. Normally, we go uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter through a book of the Bible. This is about a seven or eight week series. We're not doing that, but we've looked at several passages already in this series. And so this morning, I want to recap some of those passages address some questions, and then talk practically about how do we actually apply the things that we've already talked about uh, so far in this series. So that's a little forewarning of where we're going, uh, where we've been, how to kind of catch up. Just so you know, that's kind of the direction. I've got a lot of stuff to cover. I'm going to talk real fast. Man, you talk real fast. I hear that all the time. You ain't heard nothing yet, all right? So we, we got a lot of stuff to cover, and uh, if you need my notes afterwards, I, I had a couple of copies for you, but I spilled coffee on them. But if you need them, uh, shoot me a text, and I'll give those to you. You can have my, my notes there right here. There is a lot of stuff. Take a picture of the screen, write it down. If you're a note taker, this is for you. This is my Mother's Day present to all of y'all. Uh, so uh, when we think about we just had the NFL draft a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm not a huge baseball fan. In fact, I, I can't stand it. It's so slow. Uh, when I think about like, the replay system, even the Little League, like World series implemented a replay system faster than the major league baseball uh, you know, system did. So I'm just like, come on, come on, MLB, like catch up, like with the times, like these kids have this and, and y'all don't even have this. But when, when you look at like a football player or a basketball player, you can tell those folks play sports. Uh, I saw a picture this past week with, with Coach Gesson and he has had some of his former players and uh, when I saw him this morning, I shook his hand, and I was like, man, I wish I was swole like him. But him compared to some football players, I mean, he looked small. He looked tiny. I was like, man, those guys play football. If you see a basketball player, they're really, they're really usually very tall. You look at Steph Curry, who had, what, like 49 points last night, something like that. And you're like, oh, man, he's so, he's so small out there on the court. But Steph Curry is about my height. And compared to everybody else, he's, he's incredibly short. But when you look at baseball players, for example, they look really normal. There's nothing really that special about them. And that's nothing against baseball players at all. One time I was at the steakhouse in Atlanta several years ago, and this is back when Chipper Jones uh, was still playing with the Braves. And we were sitting at the steakhouse, and I was like, man, that, I think that was Chipper Jones who just walked by. You know, it wasn't like, oh man, look at that huge strapping dude. He's, he's, he's just, he's yoked or he's really tall. No, I was like, so I ran outside and sure enough, I said, chipper. That's how I, that's how I address, you know, famous people that I see. Um, and I, he turned around and sure enough, it was chipper Jones. And I said, I just wanted to say that I had met you. He was like, do you want an autograph? I said, I don't have anything for you to sign. So he said, okay. And then we went on like that was it. 
You're like, Where, where's the climax of the story? That was nothing. There's not one. But he's really normal looking people. Uh, when I've met other famous people, you're like, man, yeah, you can tell this dude is really tall. This guy is just really huge. He plays a sport. So when we think about our spiritual gifts, sometimes I think we think, okay, that dude is definitely gifted or that woman is definitely not, or vice versa, you know, whatever. We look at these folks, but here's what we have to realize. As a body, we're more like a baseball team. Like, we're pretty average, ordinary folks who have this supernatural power. Now, the baseball players, they're, they're still very talented, but they may not look incredibly supernatural. And so as we think about spiritual gifts, don't be thinking, man, I need to be a football player. I need to be a basketball player. No, it's okay to look like a, a baseball player. We're, we're normal, average folks. But if we walk away with nothing else, here's what, what I want us to see this morning, is that we are an ordinary people, like baseball players. We're an ordinary people with a supernatural power for extraordinary purposes. We're an ordinary people. If you look around, we're just normal, average Joes. But we have the indwelling power of the Spirit who raised Jesus Christ back to life. And that's the reason that we could sing this morning. It's not because Jesus is still on the ground, but because Jesus is alive. And he's empowered us and emboldened us for extraordinary purposes. So as we look this morning, that's where we're going. That's what I want us to see. So lest we think, oh, I don't have that gifting or I don't have that one. No, we're ordinary folks. We all have the power of God, but it looks very different. So here is where we've been so far. Uh, I'll catch us up, answer some questions, and then I'm actually going to break down uh, about 16 giftings. And we're going to talk about how we can use those individually for the sake of the common good of each other, for the evangelism of the lost, and for the glory of God. And we looked at that a few weeks ago from Ephesians chapter 2. But here's the first thing that we've looked at. We've seen this already. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to do a real quick Bible drill, um, but we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to spend most of our time there, so you can just kind of, you know, put your little uh, tassel thing there uh, and keep your finger there, whatever it is. But here's what we saw first, is that all Christians have the Holy Spirit. We looked at that several weeks ago. Pastor Caleb, who today is in Locust Grove, uh, preaching what, there what he preached here last week, he, he preached on the fact that we all have the Holy Spirit. It, it, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, go there with me. Paul says this in verse number four. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all. In whom? In everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So he didn't just give some folks gifts. He didn't just give the folks who are on stage gifts. No, he was like, it's like an Oprah moment. He said, you get a gift, and 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 everybody gets a gift, and then everybody cheers. Except that was cars, right? Everybody gets cars. Now, if I said that, we'd all be super excited about it. We got a new car? That would be great, especially on a day like today for me. I would be, I would be thrilled with getting a new car. But we're like, oh, yeah, we have spiritual gifts. Awesome. Super cool, God. We appreciate that. But we saw that all Christians have the Holy Spirit. Secondly, all Christians have gifts from the Spirit. Romans chapter 12, beginning of verse number 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. 
For as in one body, and I notice the number of times we see one all throughout these passages, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he continues right there. We saw this uh, again. He continues in verse number eight. We just left off here a second ago. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by how many spirits? By one. And what else does he say about that spirit? It's the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Keep going to the bottom of that chapter right there, verse 27. All I want us to see is that we have, all have gifts from the spirit, but they all look different. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, Second prophets, their teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The obvious answer is no. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will, I will show you a still more excellent way. If you walked in this morning, you thought, ah, I believe in Jesus. I've got the spirit, but I don't really have spiritual gifts. Can I tell you this morning that that's just simply incorrect? If you think that your spirituality is boring, it's because you are a spectator and God has created and designed and purposed you to be on the field, to be active, not sitting back watching so if for you, the spirituality, the God thing, it's just something you do on Sundays for an hour, probably today closer to an hour and a half. I apologize in advance. But if, if that's all it is to you, then you are not living according to the purposes of God. You've been gifted for the common good of each other, for the evangelism of the lost, and for the glory of God. So he's gifted all folks with the Spirit. The third thing that we've seen so far is that a healthy body needs all of its parts to function well. If you're still right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to, we just kind of bookended the chapter, but let's look right there in the middle of this chapter, the meat of this chapter. He says, beginning in verse number 12 of 1 Corinthians 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? 
But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as who chose? As he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet how many bodies? One body. He continues this analogy here in verse number 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. That there may be no division in the body. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, honored all rejoice together. The body takes care of itself. If I wake up, which is, which is often, or if I'm laying in bed, uh, if I'm laying there, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I think, man, I'm hungry. First thing you do when you wake up, right? You're like, man, I'm starving. It, it is probably physiological possible for my brain to tell my stomach, you are not hungry anymore. You are full. Like some folks are like, yeah, I'm not hungry. I just, don't, I just don't feel hungry. That's because there could be something wrong between the synapses of your brain and your stomach. So your brain could say, you know what? I'll take care of that hunger pang. I'm going to get rid of it. You're not hungry anymore. Is that what happens? Thankfully, no, because I love to eat. What happens is the brain says, hey, feet, I want you to walk to the refrigerator downstairs. So my feet say, okay, brain, that makes sense. Are my feet hungry? No. My feet aren't hungry, but it requires the feet for me to get to the refrigerator. When I get to the refrigerator, my brain doesn't say, okay, feet. No, it tells my hands, open the refrigerator door. So my hands open the refrigerator door, and then I start looking with what? With my eyes, from signals from what? From my brain. I'm looking for food. I'm trying to figure out, I was going to say what looks healthy or delicious. I'm just trying to find usually something, anything that's chocolatey, sweet, uh, that's just going to melt my, like, it just looks amazing. So my eyes are looking, man, what can I find? As soon as I see that, again, I go back to my hands, I take that food, but we're not done yet. And you're like, I, I, I know, bro, <laughs> like we, we get it. Maybe. <laughs> so I take the food, put it on a plate with my hands, take it back, and then grab a fork. I look for a fork with my eyes. I go back over there. I begin. I put it in my mouth. My mouth has to do its job. It goes down my throat. It gets down. Then finally, my stomach says, ah, food. Now I'm not hungry anymore. But it wasn't just my stomach taking care of itself. It was my stomach telling my brain, I'm hungry. I need the entire body to take care of me. That's what Paul is saying right here in 1 Corinthians. The body requires the body so it can be taken care of. God wants to take care of the body by using other parts of the body. And if you are separated from the body, if you are separated from community, you cannot help take care of other people and you cannot be taking care of yourself. The church is not a relationship between you and God. You know, we sang a song from, the, from the, I guess, the 90s. But, you know, back in the 90s, I remember uh, when I was middle school, high school, I would go to different places and they'd probably sing that same song. 
But I remember uh, worship leaders, they'd say, okay, just draw a circle around you and Jesus. And I thought, man, that is so spiritual. That is amazing. Just draw a circle right there. You just sing to Jesus. But that's not who we're singing to only. We're singing to Jesus. But we're also here gathered together as a body singing to each other to be an encouragement to each other. That's why we gather because we're one body. And so I would exhort you this morning, family, to not be separated from community. It's impossible to be part of the body if you are separated from the body. Bad things happen when part of your body is not connected to your body. The fourth thing that we've seen so far is that a spirit-empowered church will be naturally supernatural. And what we mean by that is that the Spirit's work in us and among us and through us should be a normal part of life. Ephesians 4 says this, probably my favorite passage in all the scriptures. Ephesians 4 says this beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The way that we reach maturity is by being in community with each other. You cannot be mature by yourself. Verse 14, and here's the reason for our maturity. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speak the truth in love. Some of us really, we hedge to one side of that or the other. Well, I'm just telling them the way it is. I'm just speaking the truth. Are you just speaking the truth for the sake of the body? Are you speaking it in love? I don't know if I can speak. I don't know if I want to tell that person that. I'd rather just be more loving. Well, just by not saying that and being more loving, is that really healthy for the body? If it's not, then it's not really loving. He says, so speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As we mature, we look more and more like Jesus. Here's the last thing that we're going to see in this series, and we're actually going to look at this more in the next couple of weeks, and um, Pastor Chris is planning on being right here on this stage next Sunday, and uh, so it seems like he's, he's looking like he's doing better. I talked to him this morning. He's right back there on the back row. Uh, he's not looking any better, but it, it's looking like he's doing better, so uh, some of that's genetic. His parents are here, uh, so I apologize to them and to Chris on behalf of them, uh, but, it's, but Chris is doing better, so the plan is for him to be here next Sunday. So we can look forward to that. But the last thing that we're going to see in this series is that true unity and diversity are only available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's going to be the result of Christ being the head over his church. If you look at every single one of these passages, and we know 1 Corinthians 13 is the love passage. We see that in secular TV shows. It's, it's read uh, at, at a lot of weddings. Like We're familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know it as the love chapter. If you look, if you continue in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4, he continues talking about now that we know these things, we understand this unity in Christ, now we express that in love. 
If you look at Romans chapter 12, if you keep going right there in verse number nine, he starts talking about now that we know these things, we're to love one another. And so in every single one of these chapters, he talks about spiritual gifts. You're given to each other for the sake of the body. Here's how you're gifted. Then always the result is going to be love. True unity and diversity come from love. They come from Christ because he first loved us and it results in love. So that's a series kind of where we are, where we're going. Here are a few questions I've gotten the past several weeks, and I want to address these real quickly. These will be on the screen. Uh, if you want to take a picture of it, whatever. But the first question that we've, we've gotten a whole lot, and uh, I've gotten some counsel from some other pastors, and so these weren't just to me, but these are just kind of questions of the church. The first question that we've gotten a lot is, can your gifting change or leave? Can your gifting change or leave? So some of y'all are taking the, the spiritual gift survey, and it's at southpoint.org. It's right there on the homepage, and I would encourage you, if you haven't, go do that. Again, that's, that's part of this series, trying to figure out how you're, you're gifted. It's just one piece of that. Uh, but I would say, if we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul tells Timothy, he says, to fan the flame of the Spirit of God inside of you. Fan the flame. So I would say the answer to this question, can your gifting change or leave, well, yeah, if you don't exercise that, like you would a muscle. A muscle can go into atrophy where the muscle just literally just shuts down and stops working. But if you don't exercise that gift, it can change and or completely leave. Don't hoard the spirit. Your gifting is from the spirit. Don't hoard it. If you walk into my house, if you look in my fridge, uh, I've got a whole drawer there full of cheese. I love cheese. It's amazing. But you know what I love more than eating cheese is not eating cheese. Because when I go to the store, I'm like, man, I always go through like the, the cheese section. If you go to Ingalls, they got a little orange stickers on them. It says special today. I shouldn't be telling you all my secrets, but I'm like, I don't care what kind of cheese it is. I'm going to get all of those cheeses that are about to go out of date. And I just load up my, my shop because they're super cheap. I love cheese. If I go to Trader Joe's, but Atlanta, I get cheese because it's cheap. I love cheese. But Shannon looks at my wife, the pretty one up here, uh, she, she, she'll be like, what? why is there so much cheese in the fridge? Because it was on sale and I love cheese. And she's like, but you're not eating it. I know because I love it so much. And so I would say, don't hoard that. Exercise those gifts. The second question that we've gotten is, do spiritual gifts always align with natural abilities? To that, I would say sometimes. Scripture doesn't say explicitly, but sometimes it does. I would say oftentimes it does. How do we distinguish between those two things, natural abilities or giftings of the Spirit? Well, the gifting of the Spirit is going to result in the common good for God's people, evangelism of the lost, and ultimately the glory of God. The third question that we've gotten a decent bit is what if I get burned out from using my gift? I would say you may actually be serving outside of your gifting. Maybe someone a long time ago, and maybe that gifting has changed. I'd also say, in order to figure that out, uh, I, don't, I don't think by and large, most of our church will say, man, I'm just burned out from, from using my spiritual gift. That's why we're doing this series, is so we can figure out what our spiritual gifts are. But I would say, take a hold of the opportunity that's right there in front of you and try to figure out, man, how am I gifted? Because if you're gifted by the Spirit, it may be really difficult. You're like, oh man, this, I had a kid ask me yesterday morning, he said, what about, what about persecution? I thought following Jesus was supposed to be easy. And I said, easy for who? 
He's like, I, I don't know, uh, people in the Bible? I said, why don't you start in Genesis and work your way on from there? Because our Savior was crucified on a cross for us who never sinned. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he was eventually put to death. All of Christ's apostles were, were martyred, or else they tried to martyr John, who wrote Revelation and some other books. Uh, they tried, it didn't really work, so they sent him to an island. But it doesn't work out well most of the time, and those folks were incredibly gifted. The last question is, how is our church gifted? And so I've actually put everybody's gifts up on the screen, and we're going to go through. So when I call your name, just raise your hand. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Uh, but here's the top gifts of the body. Some of you are like, oh, man. Um, here are the top gifts that we've seen in the body, and also the, the lowest gifts. But the top gifts in our body, and it kind of makes sense, are shepherding, serving, and then administration is on down the list just a little bit. Still top three. But the, the, our top Really, two gifts are shepherding and serving, which I think is indicative, indicative overall of our church leadership. Since we planted South Point almost 15 years ago, um, we've had a huge, strong emphasis on shepherding. The other day, Chris was riding down the road. He said, hey, guess what my, three, what my top three gifts were? And shepherding was the top of the list. And it's right there. It makes sense. And so we're familiar with that language. So shepherding is there. The lowest couple of gifts on the list were evangelism and exhortation, which makes sense because oftentimes when I've asked folks in the church, hey, where are you weak? Where do you think our church is weak? When we as pastors consider our weaknesses, it primarily goes to evangelism. Man, we're weak at proclaiming the good news of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. And so I think it's often just so far off of our radar, we'd rather say, well, I don't guess I'm gifted for that. You know, I guess that's not the case. Here's the interesting dichotomy, though, is we can use that as an excuse now that we didn't test that high. But about a month ago, you didn't know what your gifting was, but we still weren't trying to evangelize. So let's not blame God for not gifting us possibly as evangelists. And let's look inward and say, what are our priorities? Because even if we're not gifted to evangelize, we're still called to evangelize. But evangelism is down there. I would also say, I mean, exhortation is down there. Exhortation is encouraging someone, being a cheerleader. And I would encourage y'all, this is not my gifting. I don't point out the good things that people are doing. If you know me for more than about 15 seconds, you're like, nah, I know that I've got B.O., uh, I know that I failed at this. Like, that's just, and man, I work on that. That's hard. That's a sin issue for me. But I would also say that if our church was more encouraging and if we exhorted more, then I, I doubt that, that my brother Chris, who's back there, wouldn't be experiencing this pressure of having to perform for people and feeling like he's not doing enough. That's on us as a body. That's on me as a co-laborer and, and co-staff member with him. So I'm, I'm preaching to y'all because y'all see him just about as much as I do, and I'm preaching to myself. Are we encouraging those around us? Are we encouraging those who are leading us? Or are we often complaining and asking for more, pointing out the flaws in other people when there's so much going on? So those are the questions. I want to go through the gifts quickly. And, uh, and some of these were, were gifts that were there on the, on the test. I think there were nine options for if you took the test. Uh, but there are other gifts that we've talked about. Some of you are like, hey, we're going to talk about the miraculous gifts. We're not. And here's my disclaimer for that. I'm going to discuss the ones that I know for sure are active and effective today in 2021 Henry County. Some of you are like, well, what about this? That's my disclaimer. 
And if you want to talk about the other things maybe around that, like, okay, I'm open for that. We're going to five guys and you're paying, but I'm open for that discussion. But we know for sure that these are active and effective today here in McDonough and the surrounding areas in our context. So the first one, I broke these up into three different categories. You're like, I don't see those categories in scripture, and that's okay. Um, but I broke these up hopefully to be helpful in the three different categories. The first category is that of leadership. Under leadership, I have administration. We saw this in 1 Corinthians 12. To administer literally means to steer a ship. To steer a ship. This is someone uh, who may be good with a spread. And if, if, if I get to your gift, this is your chance to be like, okay, I've wondered how to use this at this church, at a church. Here are some real practical steps. I'm going to look at, and we, we defined most of these already in this series, but I'm going to give a real brief definition. And then I'm going to say, here's how you can use that practically at South Point at this church. And then maybe here's a shadow side of this. And so if you're not careful, if you, if you have this gift, it can, you can use it sinfully in some ways. Okay, And we see that all throughout scripture. We see uh, Paul exhorting others uh, not to do that. And so we're going to be looking at what's the gift, how do I use it, possibly what's the down side of it. Administration. This is somebody with a spreadsheet. We got any administrators out there? Uh, yeah. Uh, some people like y'all. Uh, usually the people who aren't like you, like, man, just keep us organized. These are detailed people. God is an ordered God. And so these people help express the character of God in order. These folks are incredibly helpful for church plans and for mission, for organizing campaigns. At South Point, we need surf team leaders. I had a guy at my house last Sunday night. Man, how do I fit in? How do I plug in? What should I be doing? We need people helping make sure that things are done out here on Sunday mornings, that signs are up, that cones are out, that people are parking where they're supposed to be. I had somebody ask me, are, are, is somebody supposed to be handing out communion? Do we still do that? Yeah, we need somebody to administer that and make sure those things are happening. That's administration. Uh, uh, in kids ministry, we need help scheduling folks. In a life group, this person can be responsible for the food schedule or for prayer requests. Again, this isn't uh, extra biblical. It's how we use our gifts for the sake of the body to be biblical spiritual people. The, the, maybe the bad side of being uh, gifted with administration is you can be too pessimistic if you don't have an 18-point bullet plan in front of you with a bunch of subpoints underneath it. So you can get kind of caught up in the details sometimes, but that's where we have each other. The second one there is actually the gift of leadership, and we saw it in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 8. Leadership is having a picture of a place that you want to go. It's being able to cast vision and then bring people along with you. And some folks are like, man, I've got the gift of leadership. The first question has to be, are people following you? Because if no one is following, you may want to question if you have the gift of leadership or not. And it's probably not their problem. So leadership is saying, we're going here. This is somebody who wants to move things forward. A lot of times this person is multi-talented. Uh, they're a jack of all trades. Man, they just want to get things done. At South Point, we need folks to engage new people here on Sunday mornings. Like, we need people to help lead in that, which might mean getting here a few minutes early. It might mean getting out of your comfort zone just a little bit and, and helping to, man, somebody, you look brand new here. I said that to probably half a dozen people this morning. Like, hey, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so maybe I've met you before, but I'm Michael. So uh, tell me your name again. And so just going out, that's, that's not comfortable for me because if I met that person, what? <laughs> like, we already talked. You know, we went to your house for dinner or something. Uh, we need, uh, at South Point, we need ministry leaders. These are folks who can help, help begin new ministries. 
This would be a DNA group leader, a life group leader. Again, this is somebody who can help schedule those because you're like, this is the strength of a person. This is our need. How do those two things marry? The shadow side of leadership is you can be too much of a dreamer and people can't keep up. And so you become impatient with people. This is all people centric. This is Christ centered. The third one that we have there is apostleship. And uh, Caleb already talked about this. Capital A apostle is someone who saw the resurrected Christ in bodily form. Uh, the apostles, the other ladies there, uh, early, brand new, early church before Christ ascended. That's capital A apostle. We're talking here about lowercase a apostle. In other words, someone who is sent. Someone who is sent to a particular means. So the Keller family being sent to Prague. Next week, Mark Lewis and his family is going to be here. They're in Knoxville. They were sent out. So I think there's the, the, uh, the gifting is there for apostleship. This is a, a networker, someone who can create new movements. At South Point, we need folks to help begin new ministries. We need new life groups being started. We need new DNA groups to multiply out of the ones we already have. Sometimes the, the negative side of apostleship can be you're disconnected from community. And sometimes you can get power hungry because you begin to meet and network with a lot of people. The fourth leadership gift uh, that I have there on my list is shepherding, to shepherd. Again, we see this in Ephesians chapter 4. We all shepherd a lot of other people. And some of you are like, well, he's just talking there about, uh, about those who are shepherding the church and being in the official office of uh, a pastor or an overseer or a bishop, which is my favorite term. Uh, I wish Scott Moore was in here. He's back there with kids. But every time he sees me, he says, hey, Bishop Powell. And I call him Steve, even though his name is Scott. But anyway, long story. Uh, so, uh, and I've known his name for a long time, but it's just fun. So there is that. There's this office of shepherd, of overseer. But at the same time, and so it's like, well, uh, we can't say, what about if I'm a woman and I, I scored high in the gift of shepherding? Yeah, yeah. We, we shepherd all the time. We shepherd our children. We shepherd each other. If you have elderly parents, I talked to somebody this morning, they have elderly parents. You help to care for for those folks. We're helping to care for other people. We're helping to shepherd them, to protect them, to provide for them. At South Point, we need homes for life groups to help shepherd. Uh, we need women in those life groups helping to shepherd other women. You can look at Titus chapter 2. We need the older teaching the younger. We need help in student ministry. We need, again, this is a great place for DNA groups to help shepherd one another. The second area of gifting that I have here, big uh, category header would be those gifts that are enabling gifts, or possibly we could title these speaking gifts, particularly speaking gifts. The first one there on the list is, is evangelism. And so evangelism is spreading the good news by definition, to be an evangel, to herald the good news. We, we tell folks all the time what is good news to us, all the time. We're evangelizing about something. We're discipling others around us towards something. You're discipling your kids, your spouse, uh, your neighbors towards something, whatever is most valuable to you. But someone who's gifted with the gift of evangelism is spreading the good news about who Jesus Christ is. Your Facebook shows what you evangelize others about, what's really good news to you. If you're in CrossFit, Everybody knows what you're passionate about. If you sell essential oils, you're evangelizing us on that. And if I don't respond on Facebook Messenger, which was a recent thing, uh, then I really apologize. But uh, you're not, I'm not going to be converted, okay? Uh, someone who has the gift of evangelism, again, we all have the responsibility of evangelizing, but you're more easily equipped to hear someone's story and figure out how to bring hope in the midst of that and point them to Jesus more easily. At South Point, we need folks to help knock on doors. You're like, okay, where do I use that? 
just walk around the area. <laughs> Go knock on doors. This past Monday, uh, we moved into our house almost eight years ago in Locust Grove. And as soon as we moved in, I met my neighbor. His name is Mike. Uh, two weeks later, uh, his, his wife ended her own life. Tough times. Um, about that same week, another neighbor on the other side of the street uh, from us, uh, that, that guy passed away from cancer. Like, just tough times. So I started praying for these neighbors. Well, this past Monday night, Mike's son came to my house and said, man, you've been preaching. He's been coming to South Point for about a, a week and a half at that point, about a week at that point. He said, you, you keep talking about faith, and you explain that to me, and uh, you talk about repentance and believing in Christ. He said, that's me. I want to do that. I've done that. He said, I hate my sin, and I want to live for, for Christ my whole life. And I thought, man, this is awesome. It's not easy. My neighbor, Mike, is not an easy person. I went to lunch with him this past Thursday. I'll tell you about it, but I can't tell you about it from up here with a microphone on when we're being recorded. But it's not, an, it's not an easy task. And it takes time. It took eight years of praying for that family. At South Point, we need more life groups to be in neighborhoods. Some folks are like, man, what about street preaching? I've had a few people say, man, what, we need, let's go out in the corner and preach. Do it. Here's how that conversation normally happens. And I've had this with multiple people over the past year or two. Like, hey, uh, I think we need to be preaching on the streets. Awesome, I, I do too. Okay, so when can you meet me? Well, go do it, and I'll see what my schedule looks like. And then that person who initially asked never does. And then blames somebody else for not giving them the opportunity. There's plenty of street corners. Go. The opportunity is there. We saw it in Galatians 6.10 a couple weeks ago. The opportunity is there. Don't wait on someone else to say, yes, now you're free to do this. This morning, if you felt unfree to do something, you're free to do it, especially to evangelize. Here's the shadow side of that. Sometimes you can be overly zealous. I would say this. If you have the gift of evangelism or if you think you may, I would say work at the connect table. Identify with those folks who come in who are searching and looking for Jesus. That's the best place in the world for you is to be right there on a Sunday morning, not out here talking to other folks about the same old stuff. The, the next one, whatever number this is, the second gift there is teaching. This is breaking down right information for people so that they can take that information with them. We're all teaching a lot of times, and so this teaching gift is not just up here on Sunday mornings. Uh, in fact, if you say, hey, I like the way you taught, I say, I didn't taught, I preached, because I'm calling you to action. There's a difference there, by the way, distinction. But teaching, we're breaking down information for others. We need help. We need a ton of help in kids' ministry, a ton of help, especially here in McDonough. We need a ton of help in Locust Grove. <laughs> Though I'm talking about McDonough specifically, we need a ton of help there. We need help teaching our children. We need, again, DNA groups are a great place to help teach one another. I get taught a ton every time my DNA group meets. I was taught something this past week from James chapter 1. We need help in women's ministry, in student ministry, with serve team leaders. We need to break down information for people. Sometimes we think, man, I'm teaching, but nobody's responding. The, the shadow side of, of teaching is that we just think people aren't picking it up. And again, it's like leadership. We blame it on them. Maybe you're just not doing a good job teaching. That's probably the case. Nine times out of ten, what I've seen is somebody, oh, i got to teach. Well, nobody's learning anything. <laughs> so we've got to look at the teaching side of that. The second one there, we saw this in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul actually just says this knowledge, but we can say this word of knowledge. Uh, or the next one is this word of wisdom. Knowledge are these, these facts that we have in our, in our brains. Um, but that knowledge is not for you. It's so that we can help point others in Scripture to know more about Christ. Again, a great place for that is probably in the bookstore, 
Or in kids' ministry, how do we point these folks to Christ? Or words of wisdom, this is how do we apply the things that we know? James 3 talks about that. Wisdom comes from God. But for some of us, he's gifted y'all, not me, especially in this area. Now, my wife has words of wisdom all the time. Uh, but like, I don't, I don't have those things. You're like, hey, I need, I need some wisdom. That's why I messaged me a couple weeks ago. Hey, I need some help with this. And I'm like, yo, uh, text Shannon. Like, I don't, I don't have that. And that's okay. We don't have to have all these things. The next one is the gift of prophecy. This is someone who is a forth teller. And, and Caleb talked about this last week, so I'm not going to belabor it. But prophecy is, is, is saying, here's the truth. We're speaking the truth a lot of times, not just to put it out there in the, uh, in the, in the world, it's in the air, so it's floating around, but we're speaking truth to the sin in someone's life. And so if you're a justice person, this may be you. You see something wrong, and it's like, oh, man, that's messed up. There's so much deceit. Someone's being taken advantage of there. You may have the gift of prophecy if you're able to step in and say, man, let me speak truth to you in this situation. Let me help justify this situation. We, at South Point, we need help with justice endeavors. There, there are a lot of areas around us where it's just like, we need somebody to, man, here's a problem. Like, go help us lead out in that. We need help in the food pantry. Someone who has the gift of prophecy is probably going to spend a good bit of time weeping over sin of their own and of the body. How much time do we spend in prayer? Oftentimes, about the same amount of time as we do evangelizing. But especially if you have the gift of prophecy, let's spend time weeping and grieving over sin. The next one is exhortation which literally means to plead with or to encourage or to appeal. This is a cheerleader. This is someone who is, man, uh, exuberant about what God is doing, able to celebrate those things, but also is also able to walk alongside of someone. I was talking to a guy this past week, and he said, when you were talking about exhortation, that's what I want to do with people is walk slowly with people. And I said, man, I don't have that, that gift. <laughs> like, I, I want to teach. Like, here's the information. Take it or leave it. You're leaving it? All right. Boo on you. You know, I'm not going to dust my shoes off. You know, whatever. And so, but someone has the gift of exhortation saying, come on, man. You can do it. Just one more step. Just one more step. We've been telling my son this for the past couple of weeks. He's had this, this, uh, this tooth just hanging. Finally, this morning, he comes to my bedroom and says, I want you to pull my tooth out. I said, all right, boom. Like, it just barely feels like, you know, uh, warm butter. It's like, boom, there it is. So, but it's just like this, this slow process, this gradual thing. At South Point, we need folks um, to have people over for lunch. We need folks to be encouraging each other. If you've never had anybody here in the church over to lunch, then invite somebody. It's, or for dinner, it's not that difficult. We had uh, three families over last night. Like, have those folks over and encourage them. And then you figure out, okay, where's that next step that's necessary? And then you can say, hey, let me encourage you. Let me exhort you to take this next step. The, the downside, the shadow side of exhortation is sometimes you push people a little too hard. Sometimes you're a little more quick to speak than you are to listen encourage, exhort one another. The next one there uh, under speaking enabling gives us discernment, which is being able to distinguish between spirits. And uh, there's a lot of, you're like, ah, what about this? What about this? Maybe so. Like if you have a great definition of this or some way to explain it, I'll probably just agree with you and say, that sounds amazing <laughs> because it's probably better than my explanation of it. But it's, it's having this spiritually enabled, not 2020 enabled or, you know, Netflix documentary enabled sense of understanding, man, there's just something off with this person or this person isn't being truthful or this person is hiding something. That's discernment. We need that here at South Point. We need help on the, on the safety team 
to discern spirits as they walk in. This would be a good place for you to, to learn and to lead and to serve. The shadow side of discernment is you're kind of a demon hunter. <laughs> you're like, hey, I think that person's possessed. Like, no, he just, he just had a bad morning. Ah, I don't know about this person over here. They, they seem to be looking at me sideways. It's because nobody wants to look at you straight on. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. So that's the downside of that discernment. The last one they're under enabling or, or speaking gifts is faith. And we know that George Michael, the great theologian, says that we've got to have faith. But we know that all Christians have faith. But this is a special gifting, a special dose of faith where someone is able to say, man, God promised this. This is going to happen. Let us have faith. Let us believe. Too often it's like, oh, well, uh, my, uh, my intelligence and my smartness would tell me that this probably can't happen. We probably can't take a building and uh, spend $270,000 on it and make it look this beautiful. Ah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's possible. Man, we got to have faith and say, man, God wants us here in this area because of the folks who are around us. We finally found a location right down the road from this neighborhood. Like, this is amazing. we got to have faith. We're just going to say, man, we can do this. God has told us that he is with us. He is for us, Romans chapter 8. At South Point, we need folks to spend time in prayer. We need you to be encouraging others in a life group or in a DNA group. We need you at the connect table, helping to encourage those who are searching. The downside of someone who has the gift of faith can be everything turns into a cliche statement that you can probably put on a coffee mug or on your calendar. But the greatest, I don't know this for sure. This isn't in the Bible. I would, I would imagine, though, sometimes we think, yeah, I want, I want this, the, the special ones. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 12? He said, no, no, we're all gifted. We're all necessary. I would venture to say that Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, whoever you love, uh, you know, Matt Chandler, like those folks, Jonathan Edwards, they're probably not going to be the ones who are closest to the throne in heaven. The ones who are going to be the closest to the throne are the folks that you've never heard of because those people have given everything, every bit of their lives. And they're going to have the most crowns to throw, throw down to the throne. And so I would encourage you to think, I'm, I'm not that special. You're not. <laughs> and if you say, well, I am special, I would say you're not. <laughs> Some of y'all, uh, I, I got my car this morning. That's why I said I need, I mean, I'd be fine with a new car. My car is relatively new. <laughs> uh, I got my car. I do what I always do, hit the brake, and it's got a little, you know, press button. Uh, that's how new it is, right? So I got my car, hit the brake, hit the button. My car went, na 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 na. I said, okay. Did it again, na 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 na. And it's like flashing stuff at me in my dashboard. Well, that's not good. I, I do a little diagnostic. I just put gas in it, you know. Uh, the battery tests fine. I started looking, hit it again. I started looking, reading all the messages. Electrical system problem. Your, your brake system. It starts naming off all these things. My car's just shot. So I called my dad. I said, I said, yo, my car doesn't work. My boys are in the backseat. They're like, can we walk? I'm like, no, we're going to McDonough, not Locust Grove. Uh, we wouldn't be there before lunch, you know. And so I call my dad. He brings his truck, or he picks us up, takes us to his house. I get in his truck. I drive it over here. Now, I would imagine that my brake system is not messed up and that my starter system is not messed up and that my air conditioning system is not messed up and that my fuel pump is not messed up. Like all these things are probably not messed up. It's probably just some small little microchip that's inside of, inside of my vehicle that's like, ah, I don't want to function. The same is true with the body. If you've ever had something relatively small wrong with you, it can mess up your whole body. It can mess up your whole day, your whole week. You ever had an ingrown toenail? It's, it's super small, so small that you can't even fix it because it's so small. But it messes up the way you want. Like, oh man, I can't, I gotta put on different shoes. I gotta wear flip flops. I gotta wear sandals. 
Every single one of us is necessary for the body to function the way that we are meant to function. Lastly, the third category are the gifts that everyone loves. <laughs> so you're like, if, if you're so far, you're like, I don't know if I want to have those. Or if you're like, yeah, I really want to have those. Well, they may not love you, but here you can, these are the gifts that people may love. The first one is giving. Giving. This could be giving your finances, giving your time. Again, this is someone who has that special ability or that intuition to be able to see a need. We're all called to give. And if you're a regular attender here or a partner here at South Point, you are biblically responsible for giving of your time, of your finances. But this is someone who has maybe a greater ability to do that. We need money for weekly uh, efforts around here, for staff, for the building, for needs, for those in need. We support uh, a handful of those who are serving overseas and nationally. We have kids who need to go to camp this summer and who can't afford it because they, they live in our neighborhood. And it's just, they, they just can't afford to go to camp. Give to those things. The downside of this is sometimes we can become, we can either enable folks too much or we can become power hungry with our money. Well, I'll give to this, but next time this issue comes up, I'm gonna let you know how I feel about it, brother. You know, you hear those folks. The second gift there that everyone loves is helping. This is a general gift. If there's a need, you're able to fill in that need. All of these gifts, and this one is no different, all of these gifts are relational. So the purpose of this is not just to help fill in a need organizationally or functionally, but for the good of the body, relationally. We need help on every single serve team. If you're not part of a serve team, go to southpoint.org slash serve. You can see the uh, about nine or 10 serve teams we have there, fill out a little bit of information, and I'll forward it to Jeff and Monty, and we'll get you trained up in that. You're like, well, I don't know if I'm, you know, I don't know which one is best for me. Just try them and see. Take a hold of the opportunity that's there. We need help uh, with folks hosting life groups. Again, some of these overlap. Help folks, new people on Sunday mornings, find a place to sit, invite them to sit with you. The next one there is serving, a gift that everyone loves. You enjoy meeting the practical needs of the church. And this is very similar to helping, but under serving, uh, I, I would also put uh, part of that would be hospitality. And hospitality is inviting outsiders into your home. My wife is incredible at this. And so if you're like, man, I want to have people over, but I'm, I'm nervous or I'm scared, then like, we'll help you with that. There's a book in the bookstore on hospitality. <laughs> like, go pick up that book. Uh, there was a, a couple of years ago, I was walking through Ingalls, and I had, my boys were a little bit younger, so I was walking through, I had them in the buggy, and uh, I'm in the, in the produce section, and I'm looking over, there's some people in the cheese section, and I'm about to go that way, all right? But I'm still in the produce section, and I'm walking around, and there's this couple, and they, I keep catching their eye, they keep catching mine. And these folks were, I mean, just like, I mean, they were in the Marines, but they were tatted up, huge, and I was like, man, we I'm about to lose this fight, you know? It was, a, it was a guy and his wife, and they just look at me. So I'm looking, and I'm picking up something super healthy, you know, like wonton wrappers or something. And uh, I look back over, and they're a little bit closer. And I'm like, oh, gosh, let me, let me go over here and get some kombucha, you know, <laughs> get fueled up. And I turn around and look, and boom, they're right there in my face. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, no, oh, glory. Uh, <laughs> like, about to see Jesus. And, uh, and the, the guy said, do you preach at South Point? Just like that. And I was just like, South Point? You talking about North Point? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one of Andy Stanley. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't know what you, I don't know what you're saying. But I was like, yeah, sometimes. He said, oh, man, we came to your church. We loved it. It was awesome. I was just like, I'm so glad. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so I said, I said, we talked for a second. I said, you want to come over for dinner? And they said, yeah, that's awesome. What time? Six o'clock. 
This is like early in the afternoon. <laughs> so I call Shannon. Yo, we got some folks coming over. What are their names? I forgot. Uh, so uh, they're going to be over there a little bit later. She's like, okay. And then boom, lays out this spread. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And so we had Cody and Nicole over that day. That's just what we're supposed to be doing. And, and she pushes me in that hospitality. And, and I push her in that. Like, let's, let's express the love of God together. And I would say this is an area that we're weak as a church. We're high in serving, but we're very low in hospitality. If I took a poll of how many folks have ever been to, to my house or to Chris Brown's house, almost everybody in here, if you've been coming to South Point for more than about a month, you would have to raise your hand. And my question is, how many folks have you had over to your home and said, let me invest in you? A couple weeks ago, a partner's meeting, somebody... They said, they, uh, we, were, we were talking about this. We were talking about hospitality. And I had just gone over to this person's house the night before, uh, or two nights before. And, um, and I said, hey, man, thanks again for having us over. He said, yeah, man, I'm just glad y'all could fit us in. And somebody said something like, I always say, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I'm trying to figure that out. And uh, he said, I know y'all get invites all the time. And I said, you mean, you mean to tell you something? I said, I said, we've probably had, and this is no joke, and I followed up with Shannon later. I said, we've probably had 25 families over to our home so far this year. And I don't say that to brag. I'm saying because she has the gift of hospitality, we have a responsibility. You're like, oh, well, you're a pastor. Look in the scripture for the role when it says, hey, be hospitable because you're a pastor. Let me know when you find that verse. Uh, but I, we want to have those folks over to love on them and to help shepherd and care for them. And so I said, we, we probably, had, and this is, you know, the end of April. And I followed with Shane. She said, yeah, probably 25 or 30 people. Like, we didn't talk about it before, but it's just constantly somebody. And I asked this guy, I said, I said, how many times in the past two years I said, I'll say three years so we can kind of avoid the whole COVID excuse. I said, in the past three years, how many times would you guess that I've, had, that I've been invited over to someone's house to eat? He said, oh, I don't know, man, probably pushing 100. I said, I would guess five or six. And so about that time, Shannon comes walking up. Again, we've never had this conversation. He said, no, you've you got to be kidding me. And I said, no, probably not. I said, our people just aren't incredibly hospitable. And about, about the time Shannon walks up, she's going through the line. I said, ask Shannon. So they, uh, the two guys I was with, they, they said, Shane, how many times have y'all been invited over to someone's house in the past five or six, or the past three, three years? Shana said, I don't know, maybe five or six. She said, definitely no more than 10. And I thought, man, what a tragedy that we're not leading our people well and saying, now this is your responsibility. But I said this last week in Locust Grove, and I'll tell you all this this morning. The reason that we as pastors do that, and the reason that you've probably been over to our house or are probably going to at some point this year uh, if, if we just met, is because we want to invest in you and we want you to invest in others. We want to serve you. I had, I had a few families over last night, and I didn't just like, hey, let me pick up some chicken you know, nuggets from you know, KFC or something. I went and bought a, a brisket, a prime brisket. It wasn't cheap. It wasn't easy. It was like, oh, well, there's this week's paycheck, you know, on the, on the smoker. We, we want to serve, and we want y'all to serve alongside of us. So don't just be consumers and recipients of that grace. Take that and run with it. We need other people in this fight. You're like, oh, man, you're trying to make us feel bad. I, I'm not, but I'm forthtelling. This is the gift of prophecy. I'm saying, man, this may be where you're weak. The next one, I think this is the last one, is mercy. This is care and compassion, walking with other people, especially when they're caught in sin, empathizing with those who are hurting. I, I would say here at South Point, a good place that you can use that is when people are walking in the front door. 
I told somebody a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I told a lady, and she tested high on mercy. She said, where can I serve? I said, when people walk in the door, those people are struggling. They're looking. They're searching for something. They're nervous. They're scared because they don't know what's about to happen on the other side of those glass doors. I said, be there and walk with that person. Show them the same mercy that you need to experience. And she said, well, I'm an introvert. And I said, Okay, again, show me a chapter and verse where that excuses you from being gifted by the Holy Spirit. I said, what does introvert mean? She says, uh, it means I don't like to be around people. I said, no, after you find that chapter and verse, go look at the definition. Because introvert doesn't mean you don't like to be around people. We've used this excuse, this Freudian excuse to be like, I I can separate myself from community because that's the way that God wired me. We'll just, again, blame it on him. But introvert means that you, you don't gain energy from a large crowd of people. You gain it from being with a few people. So go find those few people, if you have the gift of mercy, or if you're an introvert, go find somebody else. Because even if that person is not an introvert, they probably are going to act like one their first time here. And so go find that person and show them mercy. Be compassionate with that person. That's where we need you at South Point. We, we need folks who have the gift of mercy to help serve in the food pantry. We need folks with the gift of mercy to help counsel others biblically, to help with older folks, to help with those in need. Sometimes the shadow side of mercy uh, can be that you're incredibly sensitive when someone says something. And I get that. Uh, (laughs) Believe me, as someone who hurts people with their words quite often and gets called out for that, I get that. But I would say, man, the, the mercy that God had for us in Jesus Christ is the same mercy that we're supposed to give to others. And that same merciful spirit that we had put him on the cross. And so keep dying to yourself every single day. Are there other gifts? Are there other gifts? Uh, probably so. We see, in the, especially in the Old Testament, when the Spirit, they enabled and empowered those who did music. Uh, we see the very first person to have been enabled by the Spirit, we see it in, uh, in Exodus chapter 31, was actually a construction worker. It said that the Spirit of God filled him to help build the tabernacle of God. And so it's like, man, is that a spiritual gift? Uh, according to the scripture, according to the Hebrew, maybe so. Are there other gifts besides these 16 that I just lifted, listed? Yeah, probably so. So I don't know where that fits in, but follow God, honor Christ. We are an ordinary people with a supernatural power for extraordinary purposes. Don't get hung up in the details, especially you administrative people. Don't get hung up in the, well, I have this, but I don't have this. Figure out where to serve and then just step into that. And the Spirit may enable you and empower you in that. Or he may not, and then you go serve somewhere else. You may go lead somewhere else. Back in the uh, early 1900s, there was a, a baseball player, two baseball analogies in one sermon, but I really don't like it. Probably my only two of the year. But there was a baseball uh, pitcher. His name was Dizzy Dean. He played on a couple of different teams. And he was just, I mean, just the best pitcher in the area, in the era. Probably could have been one of the best pitchers of all time if, if uh, he hadn't been injured. Well, one time he was, he was pitching and, and, and a batter hit a ball and it hit him in the toe. Hit, hit him in his toe and he just, he just stubbed his toe. Not a huge deal, stubbed his toe. Well, for the next several weeks, his toe hurt so bad, he had to change his delivery. And his delivery changed so much that he actually threw his shoulder out. And it was because he was having to change the way he was stepping down because his toe hurt. He threw his shoulder out. And this is before they could do Tommy John, you know, surgery or whatever they do on your shoulder. They couldn't, they couldn't operate him. So Dizzy Dean had to retire early, not because of a shoulder, but really because of his toe, because of a really small injury. And I would plead with you this morning, South Point, don't be the stubbed toe of South Point. 
Don't be just like, man, well, I guess I'll just kind of float along. I'm not that big. I'm not that important. No, our church could be hindered or hurting because you're not being obedient, because you are not living for the purposes that Christ has created you for. And so I would plead with you, consider your life in light of eternity, not in light of this next week of how busy you are. We are only as strong as our weakest link. Join with us, serve with us, pray with us, evangelize with us, exhort one another with us. If you have that communion cup there, we're reminded of this, and like this bread and juice, these ordinary gifts that we just talked about all point us to Jesus. These are incredibly ordinary. It's a little, it's a little wafer that I'm not sure is actually edible. <laughs> you know, um, every time I eat it, I'm like, God, I'm like, you know, crossing my fingers. I don't uh, catch something. But these are ordinary things. But these are empowered and enabled because of Jesus Christ. They point us to Christ in the same way that God has provided a variety of gifts to his body. The greatest gift that he's provided is Jesus Christ. And so lest we leave here and think, okay, let me figure out how to live. Let me tell you the reason that we're able to live and to serve and to grow and to engage with each other. It's not based on the how, it's based on the why. And the why is because of Jesus Christ. It's because of the greatest gift, which was his life, his death, his resurrection. And even now he's continuing to work for us at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. So as we eat this bread in just a moment, be reminded this is the gift of God. It doesn't end here. This is just the beginning of our walk with Christ. Even this week, his body was torn apart so that we could be unified with him and unify with each other. And he told his disciples, he said, take and eat all of it. Christ's blood, which is represented in this juice, was shed to give us access to the Father. Drinking this juice doesn't give us access to the Father. It reminds us of the blood of Christ, which gives us access to the Father, which means we are indwelt with the Spirit and it means that we can serve Jesus Christ, the church's head, with everything that we are. So as we drink this, let's be reminded of a couple of things. One, to rejoice in who he has created us to be. We get to do these things. None of these things that we've talked about are have-tos. All of these things are because we get to, and it's for the sake of unity and diversity of loving each other because of the way that we've been loved. We can also repent of the areas that we've been weak. Maybe it's areas that it's like, I don't want to do those things. That might take me out of my comfort zone. Repent of that sinfulness and selfishness. But we remember who Christ is and what he has done. He told his disciples, he said, take and drink all of it. Father, we praise you this morning that you have given your son to be a sacrifice for us. That he lived perfectly so that his account could be applied to ours. And he took our sin debt, what we owed, and he took it on himself. And he paid for that with his blood, with his body that was broken. 
But Father, we rejoice in the fact that after three days, the same spirit that enables us and indwells us raised Jesus Christ back to life from the grave. And for being here on earth for 40 days, he ascended back up into heaven. After living the life that we were designed to live and dying the death that we deserve to die, he now offers hope and life with him forever. May our lives be marked with his love, his sacrifice, his heart for his body, the church. We celebrate your love, your goodness, your kindness. May that love not just be in the words of a song that reverberates around this room, but may it reverberate in this community. May it reverberate around this county and in the places that we work and where we live and where we go and hang out and as we play. May that love reverberate echoes of the kingdom. Convict us of sin even now. I pray that you would compel us to live lives worthy of the gospel. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.